Welcome to the Ziggler Inspire Podcast. Ziggler Inspire Podcast. Welcome to Zig Ziggler's Inspire Podcast. This is your host, Blake Lindsay. Zig Ziggler is excited today. He has found a formula that will help you create new solutions and new ways of thinking. Stick with him. He gets to the formula about halfway through. Let's turn it up together and listen to Zig, and I'll be back to recap. I'm a foodie, and I enjoy learning about the process that brings great foods and beverages from idea to the table. And then I like tasting them and learning the nuances of what creates the most significant tastes from coffee to cheese to distilled beverages. I did a tequila tasting in Mexico and recently bourbon, Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon really impressed me from the story to the taste. I grew up in Kentucky where horse racing and bourbon are famous, and I got introduced to Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon. It's produced by Heaven Hill Distillery, which has been and still remains family owned since 1935. And I'm impressed with the bourbon's ultra rich, smooth taste. And right on the bottle, it states that this bourbon is seven years old, which is actually three times longer than what's required to be certified as bottled in bond. I feel with beverages, the longer the prep, the better the taste. Being a bottled in bond product means it must pass a list of seven requirements that set the standard for this quality bourbon. So look for it at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A lot of times in life, things happen over which we have no control. 1986, Penn State and Notre Dame were playing, and Penn State was ahead. Notre Dame had the ball. They were driving down the end of the field. Uh, Their tight end got loose in the end zone. The quarterback hit him letter perfect right in the hands. He dropped the ball. Had he caught the ball, Notre Dame would have won. He dropped the ball, Penn State won, and went on to win the national championship. Now, here's the message. You see, 10 players on the Notre Dame team had done everything they were supposed to. They'd filled their assignment to perfection. One person dropped the ball. I don't care what your job is. I don't care how circumstances are with you in your home, in your school, in your job, in the factory or wherever. There are going to be a number of occasions where you're going to do everything you're supposed to and somebody else is going to drop the ball. We've got to learn to deal with the drop balls of life. And this attitude, this image we're making of ourselves really does make the difference. The question is, do we respond to life or do we react to life? And respond, as you know, is positive. React is negative. Now, success in the 90s absolutely demands change and it demands creativity. There are an awful lot of people that resist that change. One of my favorite stories is about the fellow that won a bass fiddle in a uh, contest. The instruction book had all the pages torn out except page one. And all it showed was where the fellow had his left hand up here and the right hand uh, on the bow. And he figured that's a way to play a bass fiddle. And so that's the way he was playing it back. And well, you're talking about old Johnny One Note. That was him. 
Well, it about drove his wife crazy in short order, and then she hit the jackpot. Somebody gave her a ticket to the symphony. She came down, she got right there next to the stage, and as luck would have it, right next to the bass fiddle player. And when she got home that evening, she was so excited. Her husband there playing the bass fiddle, and she said, Honey, I noticed down there, I sat next to the guy playing the bass fiddler right underneath him almost. And she said, I noticed that he kept moving his left hand up and down, and he kept moving the bow all over the place. And she said, I can't help but notice that you keep yours on exactly the same spot. I said, Why is that? Old boy never broke stride. He said, That's easy to explain. That feller's still looking for his place in life. I done found mine. (laughs) Now, if you've already found everything in life you really want, then I'm going to encourage you. Maybe you don't want to listen to some of this, but you know, the fact that you are listening tells me beyond any doubt that yes, you are open to that change. Let me say here that motivation plus information equals inspiration. Because creativity is so important, I want to share with you something that came to me this very week, and I've been so excited about it because it really says something. In our first seminar, Mary Ellen Caldwell was here, and uh, during one of the breaks afterwards, she came up to me and she said, look what I got. And she showed me a list of a number of things that she was going to be doing uh, to encourage her dad who had been forced into retirement against his will at age 65. She said, Dad really has lost heart. He's not excited about life. He's frustrated. He doesn't feel there's any use for it. And she said, look, you've given me all of these ideas. Well, the reality is I had not talked about retirement, had not given her any ideas at all. Then what on earth had happened? Let me diagram it for you as to exactly what happened because I believe this is a key to so many of the mysteries of life, plain so many times, why people do not do more with their life. Number one, what had happened was Mary Ellen had taken her lifetime of information and experience. Understand that she'd learned a great deal. Let me give you as an aside a kind of an intriguing little bit of information. This is subjective. I don't know how on earth you could possibly prove it, but I believe it has validity. Two of the most brilliant PhDs I've ever known in my life told me this five years apart, that in your lifetime of experience, if you have your PhD, less than one half of 1% of your total knowledge uh, inventory came in a formal educational environment. Now, don't misunderstand that to say that I'm saying that's not important. Hey, the first thing you do is you learn to read, and then you read to learn. But as I'll talk about later, you learn to read people as well. Well, in her lifetime, Mary Ellen had had a tremendous number of experiences and so forth. That's number one. Second, she had a love and a concern for her dad. Third, she was involved in this personal growth seminar. Now, let's see if, uh, if we can kind of bring some light together about what happened. Motivation, you see, is the spark that lights the fire of knowledge. Let me also say that the more you already know and the broader your base is, the more new ideas and information will benefit you. 
Now, in order to put it to work, and I'm going to try to do that, you need to take some quiet time and you put it all together. Let me tell you what happened. A friend of mine, whom I've identified earlier as my mentor, his name is Fred Smith, was having dinner, he and his wife, with my wife uh, and I here, uh, oh, a few weeks ago. And during the course of the evening, as always, I had my notepad with me. I never uh, see him, but I don't carry a notepad. He always put something heavy on me. And that night he said one thing that got me so excited and turned on. He said, Zig, remember that great learners are not always great thinkers. And I got to reflecting on that. I was over in Tampa, Florida, and uh, I'd been in the dental chair for about five hours that day, and uh, I decided I wasn't going to do my exercise, but I wanted to go for a stroll. I had a very casual 40-minute walk followed by a very quiet dinner. And I got to reflecting on this thing called motivation. And to motivate is to pull out or draw out that which is on the inside. And motivation plus information equals inspiration. And then all of a sudden, things came together. And I got so turned on because it explained what had happened to Mary Ellen Caldwell. And that means it explains what happens to us every day of our lives. You see, Mary Ellen took the information which she had accumulated over a long period of time. I gave her some new information, brand new, which got her excited. And what happened? Up pops information she thought she had forgotten about because she hadn't used. Up popped that information and up popped the information right over here that I'd just given her. And they took a look at each other, this information and this information. And they said, hey, I like you. Do you like me? And they said, yeah, let's get together. A marriage service was performed and a complete birth of brand new ideas took place. That to me is tremendously exciting. Now, what am I saying? I'm saying that in addition to all the information you get, folks, there are those times that we absolutely must be quiet. We've got to be thinking on what we're dealing with. And when we think on what we're dealing with, it's amazing uh, what's going to happen. Now, you regularly need the motivational input. That brings the new information in, which stirs up the old information. Both of them come to the front. They get together, and that's what creates the new ideas. That's one of the reasons that I say in my book and in my tapes that as valuable as motivational tapes are, there are those occasions when you do not want to have them or anything else on. For example, when you're walking, instead of listening to music or motivation or something of that nature, think about your business or something you're wrestling with, and it's amazing how many times brand new ideas will be born to you. Now, she had put together as I was talking about Mary Ellen, things she thought she had forgotten, they were brought out because of the motivation. It's to pull out a draw out. She took the new information, and that is exactly what happened. Now, how can we use creativity in any area of life? Let me share with you one of the most exciting letters that I've gotten in a long, long time. It's from a man named Carl Hugebeck. He teaches the character education, the I Can course down in Baystrop, Texas. They just finished a class, and here's what he said. These kids are at risk. I reminded them that because they live in the United States of America, lifelong education and self-improvement is a reality. 
Remember, Mr. Ziegler, these are at-risk students. Now we get into the creativity. They have had difficult backgrounds and live in some very poor situations. They are not supposed to be optimistic, enthusiastic, and goal-oriented. They are. I tell them that they are at risk. If they keep doing what they are doing, they will be at risk of graduating, going to college, meeting their ideal mate, prospering, and enjoying the type of life God intended them to have. So yes, thanks to character education and I can, our students really are at risk. Don't you just love that little twist there and think of all the at-risk students who've been told over and over, you're at risk, you're at risk, you're at risk, you've been victim of this and that and the other. And of course, in many cases, they are right. They have been victimized. However, doesn't it make more sense now to use that creative imagination and say, you keep doing this, you're at risk of getting a promotion. You're at risk of graduating. You're at risk of being successful. You're at risk of having lots of friends. Creativity makes a difference. Let me give you another example here. Walter Williams just happens to be one of my favorite economists. He regularly has columns in the Dallas Morning News. And a couple of weeks ago, he had an editorial in the Dallas Morning News. And he says here, Eamon Parker founded the Marcus Garvey School in South Central L.A. in 75. If you visited, you would see two-year-olds reciting the ABCs, three-year-olds counting in English, Spanish, and Swahili, and four-year-olds doing math. Down the hall, you would see second graders spelling words like pharmaceutical, entrepreneur, and cerebellum, and repeating verbatim from memory the Gettysburg Address. Now, what kind of school is it? It's not a rich white suburban school. It is a blank school with 400 students located in a troubled section of Los Angeles. Its students are not gifted. They're ordinary kids with concerned parents. It's an ordinary school with black administrators and teachers who have unbounded pride and a sense of mission. Are the teachers real experts? No, they're regular teachers. As a matter of fact, they don't even have teaching credentials. Then what makes them so unique? They're given the freedom to adjust and be held accountable to teach the kids what is the most effective thing, what that student's needs are. Now, what am I saying with all of this? Again, I am saying that with creativity, we can do an awful lot more things. Now, why do I bring out something like I can? Why not I talk about what's happening in a school? And this is a personal growth course. It's very simple. Every one of us, you and me, every one of us are involved in drugs and crime and gangs and alcohol, the whole smear. What am I talking about? My son's best friend was killed by a drunken teenager doing 90 miles an hour through a red light one night about midnight. My brother-in-law had his home broken into by a drug addict and they stole an heirloom pitcher. An hour later, that pitcher was in his veins in the form of heroin. I check in a luxury hotel. They give me a key to room 2165 and say, but the key says you're in room 1710. I say, what's the deal? They say, in case you're mugged, then uh, they won't know where to come get the rest of your stuff. I pull up to a service station at 9 o'clock at night, and it says, please pay before you pump the gas. 
We do not live in a low-rent neighborhood, but there's only one street my wife is comfortable in walking on in broad daylight. You see, we're all involved in the problem. What I'm saying here is we need to get involved in the solution because that is what is happening to us. We're victim of, so let's become solvers of the problem. Where does it start? Obviously, it starts with you. I like this formula because it really works. Take information, add motivation, and you get inspiration. This week, if you are struggling with a problem at work or at home, take some time to be quiet. Maybe go for a stroll and let your mind unwind. You will be pleasantly surprised at the new ways you'll find for looking at your situation. Until next week, this is Blake Lindsay, encouraging you to live your life to the fullest. Ziggler. Ziggler. Inspiring true performance.